Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. We're asking would high-rise buildings in city centres across Ireland help to ease the accommodation crisis? Councillor Mannix Flynn is in Dublin. Mannix, do you think would high-rise developments in the capital city help the accommodation shortage? Yes, I think it would help the accommodation shortage, but there's an appropriate area for them. The Docklands is one area that we note is an area where we can actually uh, consider extra height. Houston Station, Houston Quarter is another area where we are considering the height. And indeed, the industrial estates, uh, north, south and east and west of the city are areas like, you know, the Nash Road are areas where you can, uh, you can actually have appropriate uh, height. Uh, you know, uh, and, and and they can work. But if you're talking about, you know, uh, high-rise within the city centre as uh, as laid out with the plan for uh, the the, um, the, uh, the 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 woollen mills on the quays, absolutely not, because it distracts entirely from the community and the place making. And you know, in terms of the bulk and the size, it doesn't even deliver that much by way of accommodation uh, and as i say distracts and of course again affordability and rentability but there are there are areas where i believe that high rise can actually work i think for instance down in the glass bottle company uh down that the, sorry the glass bottle site down on rings end you're going to see significant uh high rise there and and i think that those signature buildings and the kind of really strong architecture that you have in other jurisdictions can work in those settings but when you're talking about the city center a hand-built city very curious very nice visitor orientated and set pieces like uh, the Liffey, the Hapenny Bridge, Merchant's Arch and indeed the Woollen Mill and the pedestrianisation of those areas. High-rise in those areas, no, I just don't think they're appropriate. Why? Because you're currently, Mannix, objecting though to a development across from the Hapenny Bridge. Yes, absolutely. You know, that, that's the whole point of the interview this morning. I am indeed because, as I said, this delivers nothing. Uh, it is aesthetically appalling. It is basically, you know, uh, you know, the concrete banshee of Liffey Street. Uh, it's not good enough. And as I say, it distracts. So this is not about accommodation as such. This is about development that's not appropriate. This is a single developer. It's not somebody who's developing multi-purpose, uh, you know, blocks of apartments. This is, uh, you know, uh, not right. And I would imagine that the city council would agree with me because, as I say, we're looking for a sustainable community building and better placemaking. And this does not uh, fit that criteria. Okay. If you look at the photographs uh, of the of the site itself and, and the way the, the eight-story building sits at the site, it's simply appalling that someone would put something in mm. like this. Well, funny, and again, those behind the development say actually it was designed to kind of harmonise the, uh, the, the well, area. Well, again, you know, again, with all due respects, it's not harmonising anything within the area. The Liffey uh, 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 and all of the wonderful buildings along the Liffey were subject to Pratt McDonald's wonderful book about the destruction of Dublin. Many of those buildings have been restored. Indeed, in the one, Alien Ormond Key has been restored immaculately by uh, Dublin Civic Trust. And it's what we should be doing in that area, bringing the overhead uh, 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 buildings that are that are lying idle across the city, uh, all up over the shop fronts, uh, uh, and bringing them back into accommodation, rather than building a, a, a development into a into a curious area like Strand Street, Strand, uh, 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 the Liffey area, Liffey Liffey Street area, and destroying that area. So the Liffey itself. 
all along the Liffey, there's ample opportunity for, 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 for appropriate development. And indeed, there has been appropriate development. But if you look at the skyline, if you look at this development, if you look at it, if you cross the Hapenny Bridge mm. from north okay, to south... OK, so you're not fully your, your objecting then to high-rise buildings in the city centre, but just not across um, not across from the, the crossing at the Hapenny Bridge then, effectively. Look, 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 look I, I, and where there, there is appropriate development in many, many jurisdictions, in Barcelona, in, in Belgium, where we were just in recently, you know, in Brussels, you know, and if you do it sensitively and if you do it with good art, art you know, you know, architectural merit, it can work. Okay. In these locations, which are highly protected, which are highly protected, it's a highly protected area, they won't particularly work. Okay, unless they're exceptional. All right, okay. Let's let's bring in a couple of other voices, Mannix, too, on this. Architect Roisin Murphy is with us on the line. Uh, Roisin, do you think more high-rise buildings would help solve the accommodation shortage in our capital Um, city? uh, No, I think it's uh, actually one of the things that's... The argument about high-rise architecture is uh, one of the reasons and the contributing delays in the delivery of housing, as far as I can see, because... Um, they're incredibly expensive to build. They're also, strictly speaking, in places like Scotland, they're, they're saying because of fire regulations and risks to fire, they're saying that a uh, high-rise should now be limited to 11 metres in height. So there's, in other jurisdictions, just in actual fact, high-rises are going so far out and away from what is considered environmentally correct or legally correct within the framework of fire, that they're no longer proposed as a good solution to housing. They're very expensive to build. They're part of the reason we have, I think it's 15,000 delayed planning permissions from going on construction, because often people are flipping properties the way they did in the 90s. They're flipping, flipping sites and getting planning permission. Housing is seen as an investment opportunity. The people who are getting involved in the argument about high-rise I mean, and I think, to be fair to Mannix, the issue about merchant's art is to do with the conservation and historic preservation of the mm. city core. High-rise should not be even in this debate. The demolition of buildings and merchant's art should not be in this debate. The fact that we're still under siege from this sort of application is an indication that on one side you have conservationists and the thousands of people who signed a petition against the demolition. I know it's a separate planning permission, mm. but the demolition of some of the smaller buildings on Merchant's Arch. Okay. I mean, we are right back in the late 80s but and 90s where, where the, civ- the, 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 the civic-minded people are saying, this is a historic core. Why are we having this debate about a building that is shooting up like one single tooth in a mouth of, of vacant teeth sitting up there like architecturally wise it's fine it's not but it is just too tall it's inappropriate okay. but it does but what literally put a finger in the air in terms of to conservationists people like on where we are we have a low rise historic center you do not find this kind of development in other historic centers is there not course. an argument to, to be made though around modernizing that and when you when you look at the whole the, the, the issue around accommodation and the shortages that but we it's have. not modern High-rise solutions to housing is an antiquated thing that we practiced in the banlieue in Paris. The biggest and most biggest and thing that we should be arguing for is lack of ghettoization of people, integration of all types of housing provision models where we have cost rent provisions, we have social welfare people who are integrated into middle-class suburbs and housing solutions. We aren't on the cusp here of anything modern. Saying high-rise will solve a housing problem it's, it's old-fashioned. It's the same thinking that brought in huge social unrest and riots in all of those cities. And also, it, it absolutely weaves poverty 
into the provision of housing. But and we where have you the have large-scale poverty, huge, we have huge social unrest in our city at the moment. We have people on the streets who don't even know what they're, they're marching about because they under, their housing is being passed with inequity everywhere. We have a much bigger problem here. And the, the, the idea that we can build our way out of it Okay. We have to think our way out. Let, let, let me bring in Tom as well, Roshan, if you don't mind. Stay with us yourself in Mannix. Tom Phillips as well is, is on the line. Tom's a, a planning consultant in, in UCD. Tom, would you agree with Roshan? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I, w- I agree a lot with what Mannix said and, and, and normally do. But um, I, but we, just to get in the debate, I mean, this is what we're talking about this particular scheme, which is a little bit unfair because it's still in the planning process. But it's, um, it's not high rise. High rise in the de- development plan is defined as being 50 metres or more. This is, I think that scheme is strictly 30 metres. So it's technically a mid-rise building. You can be pedantic about whether it's mid-rise, high-rise or low-rise. We're not not talking about massive buildings. But I fully agree that places like Docklands, Houston Quarter, places on uh, rail lines or future rail lines are where we should be building. But the problem is we have planning schemes which are very defined and were written, one down in Docklands was written in 2013 during the recession. And it's totally at odds with what people would be building nowadays. And I think we need to look at those plans and say, are they fit for purpose? And but in fairness to that scheme, that's near the um, the uh, the bridge, the mm, Hapey bridge, bridge, is that there are buildings behind it that are permitted. Jervis, the Jervis Centre has, I think, building more than forty metres above pavement. That this one is a, is a is a okay. thirty metres. But even, even even just to park, just park the the, the apartment development at the Hapey Bridge for the, for the moment. Mm. And I just want to chat in a general sense, and I want to hear from people in Cork and Galway and, and Limerick as well. Is it about changing guidelines then? Well, I just on the thing for Cork, Cork has always had a much more benign, from a developer point of view, view of, of high rise buildings than Dublin. So the, the taller buildings in, in in Ireland have tended to be in Cork, like the County Hall, for a long time was the tallest building in Ireland. So, and there are being buildings being permitted very close to city centre in Cork, which are, are quite tall buildings. So, but it is a debate we have to have, and I suppose a bigger debate we have to have is the fact that we probably need a million extra homes in this country up to about 2050. That's about 60,000 per annum tailing down. So it's about a million extra houses. We've got about 2 million at the moment. So we've got to literally to bring 50% of what our housing stock is today again. And we need to build houses. And we, we're, there are developers being stopped from building in Dublin Docklands because of planning schemes written in 2013 that restrict heights. You can't, I'm involved in the pool bag scheme and we're, we're stuck with a development plan, planning scheme down there that, that, that scheme could, could certainly take greater height and greater density. And then we've got this debate about houses in Ireland, about whether they should have 60 square metre gardens or 40 square metre back gardens. And a lot of developers are forced to build apartments when the market may want own door housing, but the our planning system is built around planning regulations that have that were written in 20, 1918, sorry, 1918, over 100 years ago, about 70-foot back gardens, or 70-foot separation between two houses. So it's a big, wider debate to okay. have rather than just talking so, 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 Roisin, should we be going back then and, and re-looking at some of the guidelines? Um, I think it's more fundamental than that. I mean, I, if, I mean, to my mind, our housing is aped on a very ancient system. I would agree with vaguely that we have a very old system, but I would say it's not just of planning regulations. We follow the uh, the British guidelines. There's even this talk about the planning permission notices changing to follow the BS. Um, when you go in for your planning application, that all your neighbours will be notified by the onboard the the planning consult the county council. Now that's following on Britain's recommendations. But what I'm saying is, and it's a far more funda- fundamental issue than this, because to my mind, the argument about height is sort of like it's that one where it's a teaser. 
and it's like, oh, well, we need to provide so much housing, therefore mm. we have to do it by high rise. And then, but we're building in lack of affordability into this equation every time. It has long been seen and argued where these height arguments are happening in the cities that are being pointed as progressive with these height, there is incredible lack of affordability because the high rise is generally As in, sorry, what? They're too expensive, Roisin? Is that what you mean? They're expensive to build. The land so, costs go so the, up. So the asking the price is too high. We have to change the fire regulations. You can't use the normal... I mean, and this, it is a very contentious argument as well in Ireland because of our environment. We are in a very much more north than Madrid therefore they're darker, the environments on the streets are more difficult and even in the Docklands there's an argument after all of this uh, development in the Docklands which is, I mean, I quite like the Docklands, I'm a big fan of the first plan that was put in place but it did have a very strict control over heights because we understand we're a darker country but also there is, like we are so far behind the ball in terms of our social model in terms of housing that I really resent the argument of heights being thrown out again in terms of you're if you're pro, if you're anti-height, you're anti the provision of housing. It is, there are other models other than high-rise to be produced that should be produced to provide housing, not alone the uh, huge problem with the vacant housing that we are seeing. I mean, it's come out again and again that if we were helping with the vacancy rate, Mm. In Ireland, okay. like in okay. Switzerland, where, just to say this, in Switzerland, where it's one of the most successful housing models, they do not tolerate a vacancy level of less than or over 1%. Okay, and so that, let, let me just ask. We do not have, there is something like 5% vacancy rate. Like we are, yeah. there are so well, many let's other just bring in. Let's just rise. bring in Ma- Mannix Roisin on that point. Then uh, Mannix, for instance, like if we're constantly reverting back to the discussion around high rises as a solution generally to the accommodation shortage, is Roisin not right? Should we not be looking then to, to try and um, look at other models? Well, there are many ideological arguments, you know, I mean, like, that let me raise the moral and ethical arguments that are raised, and I've been across all those, and I appreciate what Roshi said, Ishi, I appreciate what Tom has been saying, but the reality is, is that we're not looking, you know, I mean, for high-rise to be part, or the, to be an end-all. It's just that there is opportunities within the city where there would be high-rise, where we could do that. There is a, the issues of affordability, and yes, the vacancies of homes and the derelict homes right across the city is pretty appalling, and we need to address those particular issues. But back to the scene of the, of the, of the issue here, this is a, a development at uh, the Woolen Mills, which is highly inappropriate. And while it is... Oh, you've uh, made, yeah, you've massive, made the point. You've, made, you've made the point that on, 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 on that, all right. But I suppose just more generally, Mannix... Yeah, just more generally, I'm interested in hearing about it. In, 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 general, in general, I would be inclined, uh, you know what I mean, you know, where it's appropriate, where there's higher rise for accommodation, for apartment living, yes, I would go down that road. Okay. I just came out of Barcelona where I went on a study and I had a look at what was going on in Barcelona and the way they manage the city. This is about responsibility, the way a city okay. council manages the city and the way they operate the city. And Dublin City Council need to step up to this particular okay. mark. Just uh, I, I would take exception with the idea that high rise living led to riots and poverty. That's not the case at all. Okay, Tom, just a final point on on this for the moment because I want to bring in a, a couple of listeners and, and, and people that are looking for accommodation at the moment, whether it's renting, buying, uh, purchasing. What are your views on this today? How high, Tom, is high rise? Can you just clarify that at the moment? Well, as in defined by the Dublin City, is it? Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, they say that in the inner city, up to 28 metres above pavement, which is about... I think the building, I looked at the one by Otis, the one on the Woolen Mills, and it's up to 30 metres. So that would just be 
about two metres above the definition of low-rise in the Dublin City Development Plan 2016. Mid-rise is from 28 to 50 metres above pavement. So Liberty Hall would be 51 metres above pavement. So Liberty Hall would, would just come over the back, is in the 50, 50 metres plus is high-rise. So Liberty Hall is technically high-rise. And anything below that is either mid-rise or low-rise. Or oh, low-rise. Elena's texting to say, I love the fact that Dublin isn't high-rise. I think it's a lot prettier, but it does mean that we're short in housing and I don't know how you get around it. How do we get in more housing without building up, asks Elaine. Uh, Paul is asking, where is the infrastructure? We need to have total infrastructure in play before any bricks are laid with regards to parks and public transport. I think we're actually quite bad at planning. And because of the housing shortage, um, they just give planning for anything at this stage. Uh, according to Paul in Dublin. Uh, this listener says high-rise buildings are needed all over Dublin. Keeps the workforce in the area. People want to live in the middle of city centres. Happens in other European countries. People shouldn't be priced out of it because of that. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're asking, would high-rise buildings in city centres help to ease the accommodation crisis? 53106 is the text, uh, text number. This listener says high-rise is another Americanized model. They tried it pre-war, pulled them down, nothing learned. Bedsits and flats now known as apartments and deluxe penthouses. They're exactly the same, but ten times the price. All about money, according to this texter. Peter Dooley is from the Renters' Union and is with us on the line today. Ronan, does it, or, uh, Peter, apologies, does it matter to you, um, you know, whether or not they're high rise, as, as long as we get greater availability and supply of accommodation? Well, yeah, I think I think first of all, in terms of the, the whole planning process, I think in terms of Dublin, obviously where we're uh, located, uh, I think in terms of building, the city should be built for people essentially. In the first instance, obviously there's a big issue around the history and heritage of Dublin City, which has been uh, destroyed because of all these ad hoc developments going up, which are just basically demonstrates the developer-led policies that led us into the crisis we're in. Currently, there are a number of high-rise uh, developments in Dublin City, big ones. There's a big one at the end of the Keys, Capital Dock, all high-rise, high-price luxury apartments. Most people can't afford to live in those areas and they're forced out from those areas. So a lot of people who live in those communities are forced away because they can't live. And a lot of people live in, in council flats, which are in, in desperate states in that part of the city. You know, looking at the eastern part of the Docklands, for instance, is a place that there's availability and possibility to move towards probably five to eight-storey high buildings with proper facilities and the pub- public uh, realm and spaces that, that would involve and integrate people properly. But there's a bigger issue in Dublin, I think, around vacancy, which hasn't been addressed mm. in dereliction, uh, and speculation through lands being flipped on numerous occasions by many developers to make money, while uh, people are struggling to, to get a, a secure and affordable... Yeah, the, the, the vacancy point, all right, was, was made a little earlier um, as well. Uh, Ronan is on the line too, Peter. Ronan, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think we should maybe perhaps look at changing guidelines to allow for more high-rise accommodation buildings in Ireland? Well, I think... Hi, thank you. Um, I think we, we have a housing crisis, and I think everybody knows that. And um, there's just not enough supply for the amount of people who are looking for places to live. And I think most of the people who are looking for places are looking for somewhere where it's going to be central or they have good transport links. They can walk to the shops, they can get to restaurants and amenities and pubs easily. And I think the only way you can cater for the huge demand out there is to build either at a um, medium or high density level. So I don't think we can supply the problem without doing that. 
So you'd have no objection personally, Ronan, to looking at possibly buying or renting, you know, something in a four, five, six story complex. Well, absolutely not. I mean, personally, I actually own my own house now, so I'm not looking for one, but I rented most of my life. And I think, you know, as a renter, the thing that would scare me if I was still renting is looking at daft of my home that I eat and looking at the areas I want to live in and seeing that there's absolutely nothing out there. Now, there are developments that are providing supplies and they're providing them at the kind of density we need. So I think we should be encouraging it rather than protesting against it. Is that not a fair point, Peter? Are you back? Is, P- is Peter there? No? Can you hear can me? All right, Peter, you can. Oh, yeah. I can, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's huge parts of Dublin City, for instance, like that are that are huge swathes of Dublin City which are vacant currently. Like if you go around around where uh, Marion Square, that sort of direction of Dublin, around the uh, city centre of the weekend, it's completely deserted. And there's a lot of vacancy in that area that's not being appropriately used for homes for people as well. And there's a lot of these corporate landlords as well keeping apartments empty to keep the rents artificially high. There's serious issues that should be really addressed before we go down the road of actually trying to destroy the cultural and historical heritage of Dublin City. I think that's which is vitally important. The Georgian Quarter, there's huge areas of Dublin City which are historically so important. And we're built, as I said, as initially in my outset, the, the point should be, if we're building a city, it should be people-led and, and built for this and, and a, a proper vision for a city uh, for the next, this generation okay. and future generations. This listener um, has texted in to say, I think the high-rise, low-rise argument is a complete red herring. It doesn't matter either way. Both can work. The main issue is actually our lack of transport. transport. Um, it's a small city. Shouldn't take no more than a couple of minutes to get across it on light rail, tram, metro, etc. Places like Ballymun, Finglas, Balgriffin should all be sought after places to live. They're less than 10 kilometres to the city centre, yet it can take the guts of an hour to get there. I think if you sort the transport issue, uh, you can sort the house issues is this texter. Leo was with us on the line. Leo, do you think building up might help to solve the, the accommodation shortage? Building up or whatever way you're building, the, the problem we have in Ireland, there's no independent inspectional service that you have in the rest of the European countries. So there's no independent person, independent body that can check the quality of the construction. So we've seen time and time again that what's built, particularly Celtic Tiger and in more recent times, that it's not up to the proper standards. And the government turns around and then bails out the shortfall by the builders and the developers. Well, there's regulations that have to be adhered to. Well, we've, we've books of regulations. We know all about the regulations, the laws in the countries, the enforcement. Right. Okay. Like. Uh, Nicola's on the line too. Nicola, you're part of the no high rise campaign, so I don't need to ask your uh, your your thoughts on this. But I mean, can you see any argument in changing guidelines around it? Uh, hi there, Andrea. Sorry, I've just uh, listened into the last section of the show, and just to let you know that we are called the no high rise campaign because we were set up originally to oppose a development in my neighbourhood in Sallinoggin, which was for a high density development with blocks up to nine storeys high, that was in an area that was zoned neighbourhood centre. And the scale and density of those blocks were totally out of kilter with the local surroundings of single-storey cottages and low-rise suburban houses. Um, And also it was built to rent. And we were opposing that development, particular development, on those grounds. Um, And we oppose, in the main, not so much high-rise development, but built-to-rent development, because when you have a situation in the absence of any rent control and any regulations that ensure security of tenure, the rents are obscenely high and people 
can't afford to 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 actually even live there. So at the moment, uh, our campaign is campaigning against the development in Monkstown. And this time, the developer is Greystar, which is an American real estate giant that's based in headquarters in, in South Carolina in America. And the CEO there was Bob Faith, is Bob okay. Faith, and he was on Trump's list of economic advisors. Okay. Now, what Greystar are proposing in Monkstown is to build 11 blocks of apartments up to 10 stories high, mass concrete blocks, and all of those are going to be built to rent. And furthermore, they're being built in an area that is a green space that has over 200 mature trees. Now, what if you're... Um, so ju- but just, just, in, just there, in, in, in general, Nicola, though, in, in the whole discussion around this, because I, I suppose even beyond, you know, Dublin, and I'm trying to think of the rest of the country, like, given the number of discussions we have about the shortage of accommodation, whether it is for rental or purchase. Do you think there's any need to look at changing the models at all that we have? Well, I think the model that really needs to be looked at is what kind of housing do people need and how do we provide that? And what people are saying, and the thousand people that signed our petition are saying this as well, that people want social housing. Now, social housing is built to rent, but the rents are controlled and the highest rent that you pay is 30% of your income, which is fair. That's a fair rent. People want social housing, and they want affordable housing. They want housing that they can afford to buy. What we have now is a competition between ordinary people and investment firms who are coming in, building unsustainable and unsuitable developments, purely geared towards profit. And they are also in a situation where they are outbidding people who are trying to buy themselves a home. And they are, therefore, they are, they are absorbing all of the supply and they are controlling it. Okay. And what we are seeing okay. now are policies that lead the corporatisation of housing well, and the corporatisation of housing it doesn't matter what is built if it is controlled by corporations it is not for people and a lot, of, lot of people actually making the point too I should say on 53106 talking about the like the community and the sense of community that often sometimes isn't there um, in, in many cases like this Nicola thanks for, for getting in touch with us in the programme today Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.